0: Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network.
1: Well Zan, somehow we've made it to 50 episodes, I can't believe.
0: Yeah, I can't believe it. When we started at episode one, I didn't know if we'd make it through 10 or the first 15 or what have you, but to make it to 50 it has been a pretty wild ride. It's been a pretty cool journey. We've, made, we've been able to do some pretty cool stuff, but uh, it's nice to be back for another edition and it's fitting that episode 50 falls on probably one of the biggest UFC cards of the year end of the summer, arguably the biggest fight card of the summer, if you will. So uh, it's good to hit a milestone number and that means we're halfway to 100 and yeah, there's 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 nothing more that can be positively said. I think we uh we hit a milestone that we wanted to, and it's good to it's good to be here for it.
1: It's it's yeah. kind of been a crazy week when you really consider things. Dan. I mean, we're going from a tough, you know, it was our last edition of tough enough because Tough Thirty One ended. So feel free to check that out either on the YouTube channel or across our social media platforms. And then that same night, Dylan Dennis somehow gets uh, shares our story and has a little uh, discussion with you and the DMs. And now here we are for episode 50 with, like you said, probably one of, one of if not the biggest event the UFC is going to have this summer. Before we get into anything, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network. Uh Make sure to check us out on the uh, audio-only platforms such as Acast. If you are listening on those audio-only platforms, thank you. Leave a nice review and make sure to check out the video feed as well. Our home base on YouTube has just passed 500 subscribers. So thank you, everybody, who has been supporting. And like I said the other night uh, with Zan, thank you to everyone who supported our 12-or-so-week journey into uh, Tough 31. If tough enough, again, check out the finale on social media or on YouTube. Uh, to my right is Zambando, my co-host as always, staff writer vjpen.com and a rankings committee member for Bellator MMA. You can find his work over at Zambando 99 on all social media platforms. Uh, and I'm Talibano. You can find my work over at Banside at MMA as well as on the PFL website, doing all the uh, Events and recaps for all the PFL cards, including this Friday night's, uh, including this Friday night's PFL playoffs card at Madison Square Garden. And you can follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. And don't forget to check out etvpodcast.com, by the way, for all the information about the Anti DaVinci Network and blogs from our hosts. We're actually going to have a new uh, set of bloggers who are going to be coming aboard. So, little exciting times here for the MMA Outsiders and the uh, etv network. But, San. It's time to get right into it. Let's begin today's episode with the preview for UFC 292. And we got to start. And nowhere else we can start but the main event. Aljamain Sterling defending the UFC Bantamweight Championship against the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley.
0: Yeah, I don't even think Hollywood could write a better script for this fight. Um, There's obviously a lot of bad blood. Uh, Sean O'Malley has been gunning for this title shot for a long time. Be Peter Yan in a very controversial decision last fall. We obviously know the story with Aljamain Sterling. Some people like to call him the paper champions. Some people think he's a legitimate champion because of the way he dominated TJ Dillashaw. And he dethroned um, who was thought to be the greatest uh weight of all time in Henry Cejudo. So th- there's obviously a lot of pent-up frustration as well with the division, considering that you have Marab right there and Sterling and Marabu are teammates, and that's been very well documented. So I think the buildup for this fight is just as as good as the actual fight itself. This is a classic striker versus grappler matchup. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get absolute fireworks. You're going to have Sean O'Malley going in there, trying to run through Aljamain Sterling, and you're going to have Sterling who wants to go in there, try to neutralize wrestling, try to get the takedown, try to overwhelm O'Malley and put him in positions he's never been in before. This is a very high-level fight, probably the best UFC Bantamweight title fight, in my opinion, in the last five or six years. Whether whether you like it or not, whether you think Morab should have gotten a title shot uh, before Sean O'Malley, the fact of the matter is is that people are interested in this fight. This fight is in Boston, Massachusetts. Obviously, Aljamain Sterling is from Long Island, New York, so there's going to be a lot of interest uh, there from the the East Coast crowd. And then, of course, you have a whole slew of Sean O'Malley fans that – Came in around the same time the Dana White contender series began, so it's it, it's a big fight. It's a fight that people have looked forward to the entire year, and definitely a very great way for the UFC to cap off a wild summer that was. And uh, it's going to be a very very entertaining fight, and I'm very excited to see it.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Zen, uh, Sean O'Malley coming in around the same time as all those fans came in at around the same time as the contender series did. Sean O'Malley looking to become I mean, he was on the very first episode of Contender Series, and he is pretty much the face of people who have gone on from that show to have success, although he would be the second uh, person for the Contender Series to go on to win a championship. Obviously, Jamal Hill made that uh, accomplishment, got the first back in January. Obviously, he's vacated the title since with his injury. Aljamain Sterling, yeah, you mentioned he's from New York. I don't know if the East Coast bias is going to – is going to be there, though, considering all of O'Malley supporters and also considering the fact that, I mean, it's Boston. You have the New York-Boston, the legendary rivalries. You know, you think Zan of the Yankees-Red Sox, the two giant Patriots Super Bowls, the Jets-Patriots are division rivals. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that dynamic is going to play out. Also, you made mentions, Zan, about Marab. So we can talk about that part, the kind of elephant in the room and we this stretches back to when we recapped Sterling's victory over Henry Cejudo. Obviously, it was a very controversial decision. I did mention, uh, Zan, that basically I had scored the fight. I, I think I had mentioned I had scored the fight for Sterling, but I looked at that one scorecard and I said, wait a minute. How did Sterling win round five? I said, Cejudo won round five. And if we had made that move, Henry Cejudo would have gone the split decision, would have gone back the Bantamweight Championship. Alas, Zan, you knew once Sahudo lost, Sean O'Malley was going to be next in line. Obviously, they had that little in cage altercation. Marab, I mean, we can mention all we want about Marab and should he get a title shot, but you know, it's a known fact. Aljo and Marab are good buddies. They're more than just they're more than friends. I mean, they're more than just teammates. They're good friends, and. Marab is not going, they've publicly stated they're not going to fight one another. Marab is going to play the role of the heavy, the guy you have to get past in order to get to to uh, to get to Sterling. Now, O'Malley didn't have to do that because O'Malley defeated Peter Jan, which was a, another very controversial decision. Uh, but again, in a,
0: fight, in, in a fight that a lot of people, including ourselves, from what I can recall, believed that Sean O'Malley had lost that fight.
1: Big time big time that Mm -hmm. should have been a victory so but you knew if Sean O'Malley being one of Dana White's golden boys once he got that win over Yan, and once Sterling defeated Tejudo, this was the fight that we they were going to make
0: yeah without a doubt um and I mean quite frankly we'll obviously talk about the rest of the card but this just feels like one of those fights that sells itself and I, I have to ask you, this episode is being released the day of the UFC 292 pre-fight press conference. How excited are you to see this press conference? And do you think it'll get more heated than what we may be expecting going into it?
1: I think so. I think those two will be mouthing off. If they mouth off to one another in the cage like they did, they're going to really mouth off at this press conference. I think this is mm-hmm. going to be one of those. I think this is going to be one of those fights where, you know, there's just going to be a lot of hype around it and the fight itself. We'll see. I do think it could be a good fight. Although Zan, I don't think it's going to be fight at the night. I think there's another no. fight on this card that has my eye on that. Not a lot of people are talking about.
0: Yeah. I think I know. I think I know where you're going with this, but uh, yeah, definitely a lot of high stakes, definitely a big weekend for the Bantamweight division. And, um, yeah. To give my prediction, I'm going to say okay. Sterling it. Oh, sorry, go, go, go ahead. Okay,
1: before you go into the prediction, yeah, you actually, you, you, you mentioned Sterling, but let's talk about the other part of the elephant in the room. Uh, Aljamain Sterling uh, talked to Ariel Helwani very recently and said that this very well could be his last fight at Bantamweight because we make mention of the situation with he and Marab. So whether or not there's some UFC pressure there, I I have a feeling there is some UFC pressure there to kind of. Oh, I think.
0: Oh, it. I think. Oh, I think so. My my guess is that behind closed doors they did everything they could to make the Sterling Marab fight before this Sean O'Malley fight even materialized, and then one Sterling said no, and this is just speculation. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. And but you my got me- theory. Uh- Yeah, exactly. They were like, oh, if you don't take this morale fight, then you either have to, you have to fight Sean O'Malley, and then after the fight, regardless of what happens, you have to move up. So,
1: I mean, Aljamain Sterling versus Alexander Volkanovski is interesting, but I've got a feeling Volk would just absolutely run through him.
0: Oh, I think, I think a lot of people would feel the same way as you, and I think it would be one of those situations where Sterling would be thrusted right into a title shot. And would there would be, and there there would be no questions asked. And if, um,
1: he, if he, and if he, especially Zan, if he retains here, because then they would get a super fight, they would get a champ versus champ fight, which the UFC is never going to say no to.
0: No, and with UFC 300 right around the corner, that's a potential perfect addition to that mega master card. We, or they're probably hoping to have multiple title fights on that on that singular show. So mm-hmm. and Zan, yeah.
1: Just to add to that, uh, I mean, you look at the content possible contenders, Then, I mean, Barab, we just talked about O'Malley's fighting here. Cejudo, uh, he was supposed to fight on this card, ended up pulling out. But still, you have the loss, and the UFC, I guess, wants him to fight more. Sandhagen, you could have argued for a potential shot. Now, even if, whether or not you thought he should or shouldn't get it because of the Rob Font fight recently, which... Was boring, but of course, Sandhagen suffered the injury, which means he's going to be sidelined the rest of 23, maybe into 24. So he's going to be out of the picture at that point. Jan lost, Cheetos fighting on this card. Really, who is there for Aljo to fight, to be honest, after O'Malley?
0: There really aren't a ton of options unless you want to do the rematch with Cordy Sandhagen, but I don't You've got to wait for
1: Sandhagen to get healthy.
0: Mm hmm. I mean, honestly, like I would be down to see Sterling versus Vera, but I mean who who, who knows? You know, like it just it kind of depends on the trajectory of the division and you know where where timing falls and if guys are injured and that whole thing. So it's a very interesting time for 135 and a transition period. So let's just go with it and say that Sterling does move up and that the UFC needs to make a decision uh, for what they do with the Bantamweight title in your opinion is, is, is the fight to make more versus O'Malley.
1: I think if Aljo wins, I would say maybe not, but it's the fight that the UFC is going to book
0: anyway. Yeah, you I could see say. it. hmm And I could see them doing that in an international setting or something or something like that. Um, because they, they it seems that they like when O'Malley goes into enemy territory, so you never you never know,
1: yeah, and it give and it finally gives Marab the title shock that they've long not just they've long but some people have longed to see myself included for sure, well let's, sure. let's be clear, UFC's rooting for O'Malley to win this fight
0: 100 percent.
1: And I I guess my question is, will Sterling, the kind of quick turnaround that Sterling has fighting Cejudo three months ago and now going here when O'Malley hasn't fallen a little while, is that going to play a role? It it seemed like you were going with Sterling by decision, you were saying.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to go back to what I was saying earlier. So my prediction for the fight itself, um, it's going to be a slow start for both men. They're not going to really start to pick things up until round two. You may have seen it's floating around in the interwebs. You follow the interwebs just as well mm-hmm. as I do. I actually, I actually like that term. I'm gonna start using. I'm gonna start using <laughs> that term more often. But uh, anyway, there, there's a, there's a little birdie floating around that Sterling and O'Malley have a bet um, about whoever could land the first takedown. So my prediction with that is that I think Sterling will be will be the first to take O'Malley down um, in that fight, and I think it won't start to get ugly until three or four. I really do think all Sterling really has to do is just take him down at will and he'll win the fight. Um, I agree.
1: I completely agree. I think Sterling has a clear advantage on the ground. Zan, we've seen, I don't want to say that, I think O'Malley's gotten a little better, but we have seen struggles from O'Malley when it comes to the grappling and ground game. I mean, you look at, obviously he got injured in the Cheeto fight, but you look at the Cheeto fight and and the Yan fight as well.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, too, O'Malley's best chance is to stuff the shot, throw knees, throw combinations, try to get Sterling up against the fence, do what he did in the Paya fight, do what he did against Chris Moutinho, and try to just pummel him and overwhelm him, which we've never seen Sterling in that position either where he's been badly hurt. So uh, if Sterling stands with him, the fight's definitely interesting. But if it goes to the ground, uh, O'Malley's chances of, staying on the ground and doing anything from the bottom or to me, slim, slim, slim to none. So, um, and, and that's not to discredit him at all. It's just, we haven't really seen his wrestling defense in a high level fight. And if you watch what Peter Jan did to him, it seemed like he exploited every hole in O'Malley's game, which I think Sterling will take to another level. So that will also be very interesting when you think about that too.
1: For sure. So, you know what, I'm going to side with you. I think we're going to be agreement sterling by decision it may not be the most exciting fight but i think sterling is going to do what needs to get the job done and then the ufc can get its uh next super fight with sterling versus volkanovsky
0: but you and i both know that what's better for business is if sean o'malley somehow knocks aljameen sterling out so like i said um, the
1: ufc is rooting for that
0: Hmm. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: all right zen now, let's go to the fight that I kind of hint at. The one that not everybody is talking about, and the one that and not everybody is kind of looking at, but is probably going to be the better title fight on this card. Whaley Zhang defending the women's strawway title against Amanda Lemos. Zan, I feel like the narrative going into this fight from, as you said, the interwebs, I'll call them the online MMA community, is. And I hate using the word casual and hardcore, but it's just to give the best kind of example. The more casual audience says, I mean Whaley Zhang, who can really stop them? Who can really stop her? But those who know Amanda Lamos are saying that people that some people are I mean those people are underrating the abilities of Amanda Lamos and what she can do.
0: Oh, for oh. sure. This is a heavily underrated fight. Two high level strikers to, to me, this fight's not going the distance and someone's getting viciously finished. And that the way Amanda's looked in three out of her last four fights, uh, it it, it tells me that wayley is in for arguably the toughest test of her career. And uh this is, this is going to be a challenge. If a fight goes into the fourth round, for sure, I'd have to give the edge to the champion, but I think Amanda Waymo's best opportunities are rounds one through three. And if, if, if this fight stays on the feet again, you could very well be looking at a new champion. This is one of those fights where I could see this one being very close to the point where there, there might need to be a rematch down the road in a potential trilogy. at a high level these two are, and I expect nothing but a fantastic fight on Saturday.
1: Absolutely. And, Zan, as I kind of hinted at before, I think this is going to be my pick for Fight of the Night. My prediction for Fight of the Night is going to be Whaley Zhang, Amanda Lamos. Those two are going to. I think they're just going to throw heavy letters and I know you're talking about, about the risk that Zhang is taking with, uh, keeping this fight on the feet, but I think Zan striking is just, it's superb as is Amanda Lemos says, And I think that's what we're going to get. I think we're going to get something Zan, or at least I'm hoping something along the lines of what we saw from Navarrete and Valdez last week, which we'll, we'll talk about later on. But I think that I think that these two are just going to trade. I think it's going to be a brawl. I don't know, Zan, if I can say it's her toughest test. And I don't know if it's going to reach the level of, when I think about what's was saying, the first fight with Joanna Janjacek. But I definitely see this being a really entertaining fight. I think this one, Zan, as you, were, as you kind of uh, had said before about it going the distance or at least reaching the later rounds. I think that's a possibility that it does. And I think, as you said, that's where Whaley is going to do best. I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go Whaley Zhang by decision to retain the title.
0: Okay, that's not a bad prediction. I'm also going to go with the safe pick and say that Whaley Zhang wins by either decision or to wait second or third round TKO, but probably... The safer pick for me is a decision win for uh, for Magnum and another defensive or title and a very entertaining fighter. At least that's what I hope it's going to be.
1: Oh, yeah, I hope that's what it's going to be, too. As I said, this is going to be my pick for fight of the night. Uh, when you look at the rest of this card, Zan, I mean, don't get me wrong. It is a very entertaining card, but it is also simultaneously not the card we imagined. There were a lot of, I mentioned Cejudo before, but there were a lot of changes to this card. Uh, just on the main card alone. So, for instance, the Ian Gary fight. Neil Magny was not the originally planned opponent for Ian Gary. However, it is still a very big fight for him. The original plan had to was going to be Ian Gary versus Jeff Neal. Neal is out. I don't know if they ever specified any sort of reason as to why Neal is out. But Neil Magny, I mean Jeff Neal specifically. Jeff Neal is out. I don't know what, why if there's any. Uh, reason given, but Neil Magney is
0: in. Mm-hmm. And um, this might end up being a better fight anyway. Obviously, we know what Neil Magney brings to the table. He's been with the UFC for a long time. This could be Ian Gary's coming out party. I'm actually picking Ian Gary to stop Neil Magny. Um I think he finishes him in the second round by TKO. I just feel like the whole Irish feel to this card, or at least th- that's what it feels like to me, I th- there's no way TD Garden, Wade uh, summer, kind of, like a, kind of like an Irish Florida with that Ian Gary doesn't go in and blow the roof off of TD Garden. I think he viciously finishes Neil Magny, and I think it's a very entertaining fight.
1: Oh, it absolutely will be that. This fight, Zan, is where the crowd is going to be the most rockets. As you mentioned, Boston, very Irish heavy crowd. Ian, the Ian Gary supporters are going to come out in droves. I do agree. I think this is probably a better fight than the Jeff Neal fight would have been. And Neil Magnyson is on, as much as we talk about later stages of career, he's on a little bit of a hot streak as well. He's picked up some good wins as of late. So this is going to be Ian Gary's toughest test. But I agree with you. I think Ian Gary can pass this test. I think he can get the job done. Did you say first or did you specify what round you were picking for the finish first or second or third?
0: Oh, I'd say I'd say round two.
1: You say round two. I'm very I, I'm tempted, Dan. I'm I'm like torn between the first and second, but if I look at his history. Oh, he's got some decisions on the third. You know what? I think Neil Magny is gonna be a little tough, but not that tough to finish with the role Gary's on. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna go round two. Round two, TKL for Ian Gary. Okay. All right. Next one. Cody Garbrandt was supposed to be on this card to Mario Batista. However, that fight ends up not happening. And then, it, even last Saturday, during UFC Vegas 78, we still didn't know who was going to be fighting him. And then Damone Blackshear, after the impressive first-round finish that he gets on that UFC Vegas 78 card, is going to turn around again, cut back down to bantamweight again, and fight Batista.
0: Yeah, before we get into this, just want to quickly shout out Cole, Shel- Cole Shelton from com for having this scoop to begin with. It was a, it was a it was a late night scoop. I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I just finished wrapping something up um for my portfolio for them, and sure enough, the news breaks and he was on it right, right away. So shout out to him for confirming that this fight was was gonna be happening, and this is without question the biggest test of Batista's career. Uh, is the weight cut going to affect him on Blackshear? Sure, that remains to be seen. Um, to me though, this fight screams decision, just because we don't know if Batista, you know, has really adapted to preparing for a guy like this, and then of course the pressure that Blackshear is under uh, after another impressive performance a week ago. Um, th- this fight is a coin flip, uh, to me, and I could see this very well going the distance. What do you What do you think?
1: I don't know if I can say that, Sam. I mean, Batista's coming off the three submission victories in a row, and then you've got Damone Blackshear, who, as you said, is coming off of an impressive finish. So this, to me, actually screams finish more. This screams kind of a really underrated encounter, I think. I mean, is, is the weight cut going to affect Blackshear? I don't know, which, by the way, also I want to shout out Blackshear because it was the third twister finish in UFC history. I love seeing a good twister, and man, did he pull one off. Uh, He's won like, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six of his last seven. Obviously, that's referring to Blackshear, stretching back to his days with the CFFC. I I think this one's going to be a fun fight. Another potential fight of the night sleeper. I think Batista's gonna get the finish in round three or two, round two, or three.
0: Interesting. Okay. I took Black Shear to beat Batista. I think he I think he keeps the momentum rolling after his Apex performance. Uh, so I would love to see
1: I would love to see Black Shear get a finish for a second week in a row. That would be insane. I just don't know if I mean Batista's riding a lot of momentum. And you never know. With a win here, maybe he elevates himself. I don't think he's in the rankings yet. I think it would be with a fight like this where he would elevate himself to the rankings, or at least it would have been with the Garbrandt fight. But obviously with Cody Garbrandt, you know, not on the greatest of stretches ever since losing the Bantamweight Championship uh, six or so years ago. Combined with all the injuries, maybe Batista needed another fight. But you know what? Like who knows? I think this could at least get into the number 15 slot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, a, it'll definitely be a very interesting test for both guys for sure. And to see how Blake deals with having to cut weight twice in one week, it'll be very interesting. Moving on, we have Marlon Vera versus Pedro Munoz, another very important fight uh, for the Bantamweight division. Um, I, I just feel like there's no way Marlon Vera loses this fight and we know how Pedro, how talented Pedro Munoz is, but it, um, if you've been paying attention, there's still this sort of beef, unfinished business between Vera and O'Malley. And I think Vera's extra motivated to know that he's fighting on the same card as his former opponent. And uh, I think it's going to be a high-paced, high-octane fight. Uh, Vera by decision, but again, and one of those fights where it could go either way. Munoz, uh, again, is always a stud and always brings it, but... To me, I think Vera's on a mission. He wants to fight O'Malley again, and uh, this is his opportunity to do so. Oh, With you
1: the, know, Suzanne, You know, if O'Malley wins and Vera wins here, that's the fight the UFC is going to—they're going to book a rematch between those. I mean, I mean, the Murab fight will be first. But if O'Malley wins here, retains against Murab, uh wins the fight against Murab, and then Chito Vera wins tonight here, uh, then those two are going to end up in another. Collision. Oh, by the way, uh Pedro Munoz was actually not supposed to be the original opponent. Again, that theme of constant matchup uh switching, it was originally supposed to be Chito Vera versus Henry Cejudo but as I alluded to before, Henry Cejudo was forced off for of this card a little pretty early due to an injury, but I think this is still gonna be an exciting fight. I think these two are gonna put on an excellent pace, but I'm gonna side with you. I'm gonna go Cheeto by decision.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah, definitely definitely a very interesting step up in competition for Munio. It's obviously uh obviously Sukudo would have been would have would have would have made this fight interesting, but I it's still as good, if not a little bit better, if you're a hardcore, just considering that it would have been a very quick turnaround for Sukudo um, since he had lost his uh his fight for the for the championship in May. So it ended up working out well pretty much for all parties involved. So um, it, it keeps the Bantamweight division moving and it'll be a very entertaining fight again, another potential fight of the night. All right. Now we have Chris Weidman, uh, coming back to the East coast for the first time in a very, very long time. He's fighting a longtime veteran in Brad Tavares. This is the future prelim on ABC and ESPN. Um, I mean, th- this would be such a feel good story. if Chris Weidman was able to win this fight. I'm picking him to win this fight, but this is just another one of those throwback style fights where you don't really know. Well, what's gonna happen? You know that Brad Tavares is gonna is gonna bring his striking game. He has knockout power. You know Chris Weidman's good everywhere. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how one hundred percent healthy Chris Weidman looks. We even seen him hundred percent in a very long time. Uh this is one of those fights where it could go either way, but I am picking Weidman, and I think the feel good story comes true. What do you what do you think?
1: I want to root for him, but it's also gonna be very hard considering that Weidman only has one win ever since losing the uh Middleweight Championship to Luke Rockholt. The one win was the Gaslam fight in on Long Island in 2017. It's been a really long time now. Granted, uh, the fights with uh, Yoel Romero, and I think it was Jacare Souza at Madison Square Garden. You did have Weidman basically, especially that Romero fight. You did have Weidman, you know, scoring in the, in those fights until third round came around, and then a big finish happened. And Weidman just has not been the same. I would even stretch to that, that ever since the Yoel Romero lost the Garden. So it's going to be a little tough, especially considering it's been two years and about four months since we've seen Weidman in action. I know Tavares can bring it, but I also know he's a veteran. This might be Weidman's best chance to get a victory. Um, I kind of want to lean to Tavares by a decision, but... Either way, I guess my question, Zan, is regardless of whether he wins or not, should this be Weidman's last fight in the UFC? Probably. I I think either he goes out. I think it's there's a victory, Zan, in the sense of he knows that he was able to recover and get back in the cage. There is that sense of victory that should be that should be there. So I think this is a good point to hang up the gloves on whether he wins or loses this fight. Um, just going to make mention, by the way, that's the only prelim we're going to go over. Obviously we have the tough finale fights, which are also big this weekend. However, Zan and I broke those down on our, on the final episode of tough enough. So go to, go to the ETB network, YouTube, or check out our social media pages at MMA Outsiders ETB or the stream on there in which towards the end, we broke those fights down. If you want our full uh, breakdowns of that, of those fights.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, so again if you want want the full breakdown go back to Tuesday night's episode of Tough Enough where we pretty much chronicled what was the entire Ultimate Fighter season and of course gave our predictions for the finale fight so if you've not seen the finale yet uh, watch the finale first and then figure out who we have um, in those two fights I think for those of you who have been following along with our Tough Enough streams kind of know how excited we are about both of them. So uh, without without revealing too much, the, that is uh, the, that is your uh, your unofficial task, if you will, if you want to be sure to be prepped as much as you can for the Ultimate Fighter finale on Saturday. So.
1: We also have on Friday nights and the PFL playoffs, the next round of the PFL playoffs picking off. It's going to be the heavyweights and women's featherweights in action. Heavyweight semifinals, you got Renan Ferreira taking on Maurice Green crochet boss. And then on the other side, you got Denny Skolta taking on Jordan Heiderman. Then just to start with the Ferrer and Green fight, uh, just so you're aware, uh, recently on a PFL media call, those two were, uh, they were chirping at one another.
0: Oh yeah, they were. uh, Yeah. Thankfully there were several clips that were posted that I was not on that media call. I wanted to be, I had another commitment, but it, it, it seemed like they were uh they, they were not too friendly of each other and i think it'll make the fight that much more interesting i th- think someone's getting finished and i actually think maurice green is going to knock out Ferrer in the second round and uh, uh, s- set up a very interesting first half of the of the, of the heavyweight uh final in november you're
1: going for green. i, I think i,
0: I I think I think Maurice Korean is sick and tired of his antics, and I think he's gonna I think he's gonna make him pay for it.
1: That is interesting. What about the Dennis Goldsov Jordan Peterman fight?
0: Um I think Heiderman actually out Dennis Goldsoff and upsets him.
1: Wow, you're going you're swinging for defenses on the PFL playoffs, but then again it is the PFL and we have seen the craziness happen with these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh It is definitely going to be a grappling matchup with that goltsov heiderman fight. You got Goltsov, who is the Sambo expert. You got Heiderman, who is a wrestler. These two are going to go at it. I just think, Zan, that the Sambo style and the, or if you want to call it the Dagestani wrestling style uh, versus the American style of wrestling, take the, take the words, Zan, of one Khabib or Magomedov. The, the Dagestani style and Russian style is just I think a little superior to the American style. I think Goldsov's the better grappler. I'm going to go with Goldsov taking the decision in that one. And then in our main event with Verona Ferreira taking on Maurice Green, the concern I have, Zan, I think Maurice Green definitely has power. I'm concerned with how he's going to be able to handle Ferreira's jujitsu because we have seen Green struggle a little bit with the ground game.
0: That's true. But I think Maurice Green is the experience factor and that's what, that's, what's going to help him.
1: Uh, Dennis, I, mean, I should credit by the way. Ferreira does have two, uh, two knockouts in his last two first round knockouts in his last five fights, so maybe it is a fire fight. You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go say Maurice Green uh, gets the knockout. I'm, but obviously, you're going with a Green Hyderman uh, final. I'm gonna go with a Green Goldsot final. Okay. And then you got the women's featherweight semifinals. You got Larissa Pacheco looking to become Zan. Because the women's lightweight was last year. This is the first time PFL's having women's featherweight. Looking to become the, essentially the first two-division champion uh, in PFL history. She's got women's lightweight. She can go for featherweight. But she's got to get through Olina Kolsnick. And then you got Marina Machnetikina Moknet, taking on Amber Brock.
0: Yeah, I have a Leibrock versus Pacheco final. I I think that's what the PFL wants. And especially for the Pachanko side, if she can win uh, the finals again and do it two years in a row, I think it's going to get Kayla Harrison shopping at the bit uh, to come back uh, next year when the super fight division really takes shape. And that rematch could very well be the biggest fight in promotional history. So I think if you're a, if you're a PFL fan that likes big fights, you're, you're banking on Pachanko to win the whole thing. Um, and I just I've been impressed with Labrock this entire season and I think I think she keeps it rolling. Not to, not to discredit Marina at all, she's a great fighter, but to me it seems like Labrock's been on a collision course this whole time and every single time I've seen her, she's just gotten better and better. So I, I, I actually, like a Labrock Pacheco final in November on the world and, side.
1: And actually, San, this Larissa Pacheco Colsnick fight is actually going to be a rematch. Last year those two did meet in the semifinals. And Pacheco got a first-round TKO. And Pacheco has just been on winning ways, you know, ever since last season when she was finally, you know, last season obviously culminating in her slaying the Beast and Kayla Harrison. And then her two fights in the, the season was against Julia Budd, where she got an easy decision. And then she quickly knocked out Amber Labrock. So that mm-hmm. it, you it would, would be foolish to not pick Pacheco in this one. And then Lebrock, I know she's had her struggles, but she's won four of her last five, uh, stretching into, uh, pardon me, not that was looking at Elena Kolesnik. Obviously, she has had her struggles. She's, yeah, she's still won four of her last five. Obviously, the Pacheco fight ended up uh, hurting that streak. Obviously, her run in Bellator wasn't exactly the greatest of successes, but a couple of wins in Gladiator Challenge, the win in Invicta, LeBrock's been able to pick her momentum back up. And I think the experienced backer could help her uh, against uh, somebody like Makna Kina. Obviously, Makna Kina did compete last season, as well, but didn't make the postseason. I'm going to agree with you. I think it's the, I think it is the final to pick it, Pacheco LeBrock. It's just, it's the logical one, if you know what I mean.
0: Okay sounds right. good so we, we 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 both agree that or and regardless of what happens in either of those two fights i think any of the four fighters that make it to november and uh black friday thanksgiving weekend what have you it's going to be a very entertaining final once again and i think the the pfl is going to get um is going to get some high level fights regardless of how they play out so
1: actually that reminds me zan i believe we we're we're going to record on a Tuesday night and release the episode next week on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, because we have a strange situation where we're going to have a Wednesday night PFL fight card.
0: Yeah, it'll be weird, but that's the nature of the business. Sometimes I, uh, we got We get to oh, work around the crazy on, fight Zan. schedules.
1: Then did you, you just said the nature of the business. Or, do you mean to say, and it's a sound effect I haven't used in such a long time here, but I'm glad I get to bring it back out. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. All right, let's get to the news segment. We got twenty about twenty or so minutes in our show left. Let's get to our news segment. So, Zan, so much for Musk and suck. <laughs> Sucks to suck, <laughs> I should say
0: yeah and sucks to suck if you were one of the suckers that bought the t shirt i was i was i was not one of them um but uh yeah I mean, what can i really say i don't I don't really care if it if if it was going to happen, I would have been very excited about it if it wasn't going to happen it wasn't gonna be it wasn't gonna change my life forever so to be quite honest with you, I don't really care about this um i at this point with how confusing the story's gotten, I kind of just wanted to go away.
1: So I know. So so here's how the craziness starts. First Elon Musk goes on I mean Dana White mentions uh I mean I shouldn't say Dana White mentioned there's a report that mentions that Dana White talked with Italian government officials about holding the fight in the Roman Colosseum. The next day Elon Musk goes on the platform that is formerly known as Twitter and is now known as Okay, let me make sure I'm on the right button. Yeah, I'm on the button known as X mm-hmm. and basically says Uh, yeah, we're going to hold it in a specific venture where there's going to be all this classic, you know, Italian imagery, nothing modern. All the donations are going to go to veterans, uh, except Dana White and the UFC are not going to have any involvement. And so in the coming days later, uh, Mark Zuckerberg goes on social media and basically says until Elon Musk is serious about this fight, because he's making all these excuses, then we can just assume the fight's not going to happen and to move on. And I agree, Zan. At this point, sunrise, sunset. Who cares if this fight happens or not? I know, considering the nature of the kind of people Elon and Mark Zuckerberg are, considering that they're not fighters, and they and they stretch past the MMA sphere, that this could have been a very big, profitable fight. But as you said, you know what? You know, Zan, to, to make note of something I said a couple of days ago, I didn't get into the fight media game. To cover Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, I came to cover fighters.
0: Mm-hmm. As did as did many of us. Um, I'll be I'll be honest. I would have been, I would have been down to totally cover that, but that's that's just me being nuts and me liking other sports and crossover and pop culture. But for those that are strictly MMA, I can understand the disdain as to why you wouldn't want to cover something like that. But if that was me or other people, I'm sure, feel the same way as me. I I would have totally I, loved the cover to cover that.
1: I still would have covered it. I just wouldn't have been a big fan of the whole spectacle. If you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I understand.
1: All right, well, let's move over now to com- another comment uh, that was made. Actually, this coming on inside the cage with Jimmy Smith on Sirius XM Radio. Uh, Jimmy Smith got to ha- have a sit down with Bellator CEO Scott Coker and. Scott Coker was point blank asked about the reports that the PFL would purchase Bellator and that Bellator 300 October 7th would be the end. And Scott Coker is denying these rumors and is saying that Bellator 301, which I would assume, Sam, would be in November, if not late October, is being planned out.
0: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's good to see Scott saying this. We don't really know if he's just trying to brush off the potential announcement, I would like for Bellator 301 to be true uh, just for the sake of everybody in the organization. But this is definitely a story to follow. My opinion is that you have to see how it plays out and it's good that he's thinking this way because for whatever reason, if the if the deal supposedly does fall through, they need something to have, to have a backup plan on or for him to say the 301 is being planned that's better than him saying, "Oh, we have nothing in the works after October seventh at all." So, for for him to for him to say that and to and to, uh, and to not say that they have nothing in the works, I think is better than not saying anything at all. So, I think if you're if you're a Bellator fan and a hardcore Bellator fan, you should be taking this as good news and not necessarily bad news.
1: Yes, and I think as we kind of alluded to and I talked with uh, Dylan Rush a couple of weeks back, San, I think if you're Scott Coker, you have to play this card to do the whole, you know, everything is spying kind of routine that Bellator seems to be doing. I would say Zan, Vig's kind of comments give me some sort of indication because all the indications I have, San, from, you know, all the reports we have Tadak and show, Helwani, uh, somebody that I spoke to anonymously, the plan seems to be that, you know, the signs are it's inevitable that the PFL is going to purchase Bellator. The question is, is Bellator still going to be around or is it going to be absorption? These kind of comments then tell me that there is some life. There is at least Coker and a couple others that are pushing for the two promotion run uh, method. But my question is, if that actually happens. How would, you know, let's say there's a signing. How does it get determined who goes to PFL and who would go to Bellator?
0: Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And then as well as the whole TV thing, what does Showtime do in terms of what ESPN Plus does and vice versa? A lot of of unanswered questions.
1: Could you imagine? (laughs) You just brought a thought in my head, saying, Could you imagine Bellator, PFL, and UFC all under the same ESPN umbrella?
0: Uh, that would be weird, but then that would also mean that eventually they're all going to be bought out somehow, some way, just because that's how it seems to work. So, um, that is only if they're all under the same roof. So Uh, are you saying, Sam, that there's a chance PFL and Bellator could get into
1: the, was it the TKO, the WWE UFC merge company?
0: (laughs) That would be so bizarre.
1: That would be so bizarre. And that would be so monolithic. Mono lipstick, whatever. It would be Monopoly style, basically. hmm All right. Let's bring over now to Conor McGregor. We'll talk about the Anthony Joshua fight in just a second. But Conor McGregor made an appearance there. And he says uh, he was doing an interview. And he basically mentioned that he, quote, has to do the fight with Chandler in December. And he also gave, and I mentioned this on the uh, Tough Enough broadcast a couple days ago, then he brought out a three-fight plan. It would be Chandler in December. Then his plan is not to go for the lightweight title. It would need to go for the BMF title and fight Justin Gaethje. And then he would have the trilogy fight with Nate Diaz.
0: Yeah, this, of course, is assuming that Conor McGregor beats Michael Chandler. So he has to get that out of the way first. And this is the second time in three years that he's teased a season. And the first time he did it, it went up in smoke because of COVID-19. So I don't know. I mean, I want to believe that that's what he wants to do. Those are three massive fights, Chandler, Gaethje, and Diaz. It's a matter of does he actually go ahead with those? I don't know. Um, But it definitely gets people talking and it gets people, you know, speculating like, oh, when could these fights happen, Um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, at this at this point, he's just trying to stay as relevant as he can, and it's unfortunate because you know we've been kind of waiting for years. Like, when is Conor going to get back to his 2016 version of himself? And it's never happened. So it's never going to I don't. Uh, yeah, it probably won't ever happen. You're not you're you're not wrong there. Uh, but it definitely is. You know, a sign that you know Conor wants to stay relevant and he wants to stay in the news and. You know, when he fights, he fights. And when he doesn't, he doesn't. And uh I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely it's definitely interesting to got people talking. And, yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of, do those guys really want to go in and do that? We know Chandler wants to. We know Gage wants to. But if the money isn't right for Nate Diaz, the, the, that trilogy seems a little bit too far-fetched to me. But Right, definitely. Considering,
1: considering Nate Diaz is not under contract, I think Helwani said, Connor only has two fights left on his current UFC deal, so there probably have to be another negotiation just to get Connor to fight in that potential trilogy fight. Him challenging for the BMF title, I mean, the BMF title, Zan, is just one of those... It's a silly prize, so, you know, it's better than him challenging for the lightweight strap, but it goes back to what I said on, on uh, Tuesday with the tough finale. The fight with Chandler. not just that it has to happen and that he's got a win chance. Zan... Saturday night they got to announce that
0: fight. Hmm. Yeah. Saturday night they have to announce that fight. Otherwise, uh, UFC 296 is stuck. So yeah. yeah, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta announce it. Um. I mean, at the very least, the positive is this fight's been built up the entire year since January. So I guess if you want to talk about build up, the fight's already been built up this entire year or so it'll make 296 super easy to promote. But then again, the longer you wait, the longer fans and everybody else in the space are going to get frustrated because then we don't know if the fight's actually happening or not. So there's that. Mm -hmm.
1: It's it's past time to end that frustration. Speaking of Nate Diaz, so the numbers are in. uh, Happy Punch got the report. Jed Goodman ended up uh, tweeting it out. Apparently Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz did about four hundred and fifty thousand pay-per-view buys. I don't know specifically if that just entails the zone and regular mainstream pay-per-view or if ESPN Plus is involved in this. But the number we have right now is 450K. Yeah, I
0: know mean, this is better than this is better than what I thought it would do. Uh that's actually a solid number just considering that. You know, Nate Diaz is still a big star. You could probably bet that most of the people who bought that were Jake Paul supporters. Just because, you know, the MMA fans, you know, they can get with these crossover boxing matches. Some of them are totally against it. Some of them will watch everything. So I think that number is 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 a fair number and a number that I would have expected. And it's a number that they could definitely build off of if they do a potential rematch. And it is for in a pay per view type format. So overall, they should be happy with it. I'm sure they got paid millions of dollars, and the fight was the fight. Uh, it, it was what it was, but but on the on the pay per view side, this is very impressive.
1: Yeah, I would say, I would say, you know, maybe there is a slight disappointment considering that it's Paul and Diaz and the two stars that they are. But I know Paul's numbers with Showtime for like the second Tyron Woodley fight wasn't good this Nate Diaz 450k is definitely it's definitely improvement from there so and like we said the Jake Paul performance against Nate Diaz the one side of nature it was definitely the it was definitely the um, what's it called the rebound that Jake Paul needed after losing to Tommy Fury and who knows maybe Paul versus Fury 2 was next
0: Uh, yeah obviously we don't know that for sure but given their interest in each other, uh, a rematch is definitely possible. No Unless doubt
1: about, about it. yeah or something. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but let's talk about Zan. Let's do for the last 10 or 15 minutes, some recaps from the action that happened last weekend. Zan, I have to give a shout out to Emmanuel Navarrete, Oscar Valdez, the junior lightweight title fight. Incredible. Just absolutely yes. incredible. I mean, if you want to, You'd think, San, about some of the classics in boxing. This had that kind of feel. You want to talk about two Mexican fighters who who leave it all in the ring. Both these guys fit that marquee. And nothing else I can say except a Bravo masterclass. These two left it all in the ring. Constant back and forth for multiple rounds. This fight could have gone either way. I think the scorecards were very weird because some of them weren't close, but with so many rounds that Zan, that you could have, you know, gone back and forth and up and down, could have gone one way or another. Nothing else I could say except I don't think anything in boxing, Zan, for the rest of 2023 is going to come close to a fight of the year candidate like these two put on.
0: Yeah, this was a fight of the year candidate, and round nine is without a doubt. The boxing round of the year, if you haven't seen round nine yet, it's literally its own clip. Um, it's it's one of the most absurd three minute videos you ever see, shades of Gotti Ward one and several other just absolute classics, where you just knew that once Joe Testator started to raise his voice, that the fight was gonna get very interesting. And as his commentary was getting louder and louder, the fight kind of told the tale along with him, which made it a very surreal, uh almost cinematic like moment. And it was very it was very cool. And uh I literally tuned in right as the round nine exchange, the one that's now clipped everywhere, was about to start, and I was glad that I did because I'd missed the entire fight to that point. And uh, I was like, "This is," I was like, "I was like," I knew this fight would be great. I didn't know it was in round nine, but th- this is this is phenomenal. And and th- that's exactly what it was. And uh, props to both of them. Valdez is obviously tough. Navarente is one of the is one of the best um, young fighters in the sport. Um, I mean I mean this is this is a fight that people will talk about for years. The people that were there in Arizona, I'm sure that they'll have stories for days about this. And uh I mean at this point I just need to know when the rematch is because I wanna I wanna see that again.
1: Yeah, I definitely wanna see that again. Zan, I hope we get a trilogy out of this. Well, I'll be really honest. I hope we get the next great boxing trilogy with these two.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right. Moving on over to The other side of the world, Anthony Joshua, he gets a seventh round knockout of Robert Hellenius. It was, it wasn't a great fight. It was a boring six rounds and people were saying, you know, Joshua doesn't have it anymore. He can't pull the trigger. And in the seventh round, he ends up pulling the trigger. So was he just playing with Hellenius? Who knows at this point? But you know what? Good knockouts. Anthony Joshua got the job done. And now apparently the Saudis were there. In England, according to uh, Joshua's promoter, Eddie Hearn, of Matchroom Boxing. And it seems like it's not official, but it seems like the fight with Deontay Wilder in Saudi Arabia is next. The plan, according to Eddie Hearn, is Hellenius, which was originally supposed to be Dillian White. Then Deontay Wilder in Saudi Arabia, which would be in January, by the way, not December. So it'll be the big, the first big fight of 2024. And then, some point during the second half of 24, challenging Tyson Fury for the WBC title.
0: Yeah, and yeah. nothing more to add than just it was a vicious knockout, and that if Joshua does that against Wilder, it's not going to be pretty. Meaning, if he if he does what he did rounds one through six, um, and kind of takes allowed. them off, if you will, he's not gonna he's not gonna last. And um, yeah, he needs to definitely be. He needs to come forward a lot more, and he can't be sitting on the outside. You can do that against Linneas. You can do that against these other heavyweights. You can do it against Washington. You can do it against and White, but you can't do it against such a vicious power puncher in Deontay Wilder. They can put your lights out literally with one shot at any point.
1: Um, and if you can't do so it against he, Deontay Wilder, if you can't do that against Deontay Wilder, you can't do that against Tyson Fury.
0: No, you certainly can't. So. He's going to have to go back to the drawing board, really watch the tapes, see where he went wrong, um, which which he didn't really do things wrong. It's just he used a very passive approach, which I didn't necessarily agree with. Uh, but it definitely makes for an interesting fight. Will be will be a very interesting buildup, and hopefully Eddie Hearn can get it done, and hopefully it's the biggest heavyweight fight or one of the biggest heavyweight fights of 2024, assuming we get Fury versus Usyk on the other side. So, um, yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I- I mean, you know, we talk about Joshua versus Wilder being six, seven years too late, but at the very least, it would be a nice start to 2024 to have two of the biggest heavyweights in modern boxing squaring off.
0: One hundred percent.
1: On the U- on the uh, mixed martial arts side, Vicente Luque defeating RDA by decision. It was a competitive fight, though not the most exciting. I think Zand UFC Vegas 78 got some strong performances on the prelim, maybe one or two on the main card, but the main event Luke versus RDA just didn't really do anything for me. Not that it was bad, but it just didn't do anything for me.
0: No, it didn't do anything for me either, but whenever you can beat a former UFC light, lightweight champion, it's always a good feather in your cap. And it's nice to see Luke, you know, have a really nice comeback. He'd been out for a very long time due to some medical concerns and, um, it's nice to see him get back with a with a huge win against a guy that, you know, people pegged as, you know, a potential um, opponent to beat Conor McGregor several years ago. Obviously, that fight never happened, and it seems like really RDA has never really been the same since. So he's got to go back to the drawing board, think about things, think about, you know, well, what's next in his career. But in terms of name value for Luke, a, this was his biggest win, no matter how you slice it and dice it. Kind of what I said last week about the Corey Sandeagan fight, you know, well the fight wasn't great, but as long as you can get the win and show that, you know, you're you're still gonna be potentially relevant in the rankings, that's really all that matters and that's what Luke A did. So
1: the question I have, Zan, is number one, the the medical concerns still concern me because I was when I saw those medical reports I thought, uh, maybe maybe it's best he doesn't fight again or take some long time off, which he did take some time off and the win over R D A as you said, but he Whatever way you slice it, to win over a former champ, it's a huge win for Vicente Luque. He's ranked number ten. Question is, where does he go from here? Because above him in the rankings, <laughs> and going from nine to six, he got Sean Brady, Jeff Neal, Stephen Thompson, and Shafgat. If Ian Gary wins and continues to climb up, I mean, do they do they still give Ian Gary Jeff Neal? Do they have to give Luque either somebody like Sean Brady or, I mean? Stephen Thompson's there at number seven, but we don't know whether or not those rumors about him fighting Kamaru at the Garden for two ninety five are going to come to fruition. What do we do with Luke?
0: Um, I think you got to kind of take a wait and see approach. I would say Shavkat or and Brady makes the most sense, assuming that the UFC is going to try to make Usman and Wonderboy. Which, I actually, I'm sure you know this, but um. The UFC is going to try to announce what the co main event is at some point this week. So we'll probably get a better idea as to who Usman is fighting uh, then uh, um, later this week and Saturday.
1: So could you see then Zan a double welterweight showdown? So obviously we have Joan Stipe main eventing, but then you have, as part of the main card for 295, uh, Leon defending the title against Colby, and then Usman's first fight back since losing the trilogy, taking on Wonder Boy.
0: Yeah, I could very well see that.
1: I could too. Uh, one last thing from us Bellator also adding a card this past weekend, Bellator 298. Strong, strong prelims, absolute lackluster of a main card, but credit to Logan Storley, first round finish of Brendan Ward. Hopefully, he says, uh, Storley says that he's looking for maybe one more win and then he can challenge for the welterweight title again. I think, Zan, that's the perfect uh, path for him to take. And if Bellator is going to reach its end, I hope the PFL is at least looking at Logan Storley for, you know, at least the welterweight division for 2024 season.
0: Yeah, if they're not already looking at him before this Brendan Ward fight, they should be looking at him now. I mean, he's one of the best welterweights outside of the UFC, if not the best welterweight outside of the UFC and. He definitely improved that against Brennan Ward on Friday night. And uh yeah, I like his plan of taking one more fight before fighting for the Walter Wade strap. And uh, you know, you could very well see him become a champion at some point in 2024. As with how hard he's worked with the guys that he's beaten, I think it's very well possible. And for Brennan Ward, this is just one of those situations where it's a learning experience. He'll go back to the drawing board. Um, he's he's going to be very bright in this sport. He, he's going to be successful. He just ran into a guy that was a little bit better than him on that night. And uh, yeah, um, definitely, as, as you alluded to before, the, the PFL should be looking at it if they're not already. Well, I thank everybody for
1: listening and watching this 50th episode of the MMA Outsiders. Can't believe it's just been over a year. We got the 50 episodes. Here's the 50 more. Zan, thank you for being a part of this journey. Before we get out of here, hit the like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network, including every episode of the MMA Outsiders. Make sure to follow us across social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and I al- i had to stop myself because I almost said Twitter, mm-hmm. X at MMA Outsiders ETB, follow the Empty Bench Podcast Network, Facebook, X, uh, Instagram, and TikTok at ETB Network. Again, To my right there is Zambando Zambando, as always. You can follow him at Zambando99. He's a staff writer at BJPenn.com. And he's a Bellator Rankings Committee member. I'm Tom Albano. You can follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. I'm a contributor to FanSide at MMA and a contributor to the PFL's website. Obviously, I'll be doing the results for the card at Madison Square Garden on Friday. And... Again, follow me on Twitter at Thomas ThomasJAlbama. Check out the PFL website for all the action there. And make sure to watch the PFL on ESPN this Friday. And then, of course, UFC 292 on, paper, on ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View on Saturday. should be a fun weekend of fights. Make sure to go to etbpodcast.com as well for information about the network and blogs from all our contributors. Zan, again, happy 50 episodes. Really happy that we've gotten to this point.
0: Yeah. Happy 50 episodes. And thanks again for the nice uh, compliment. Kudos to you. And same to you on that. And uh, yeah, again, thank you to everyone who has listened to the show so far throughout the last year. We really appreciate it. And uh, again, as Tom alluded to, enjoy the fights on Saturday, they should be fantastic. And um, yeah. And as we alluded to um, on Tuesday night, if there are other uh, new ideas you'd like to see from the show itself, uh uh, please let us know and we'll try to make it happen, whether it's, you know, funny one offs or whatever you guys think would be a little bit entertaining. Please let us know and we'll be happy to consider uh, every inquiry you guys have. Um, until then, we'll, we'll see you again soon, uh, next week, actually, of course. And before we get out of here, uh, we just would like to make mention because the UFC is on the East Coast this weekend. We'd like to say be Joe Piper.
1: Be Joe Piper. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care.